0: Arriving in U.S. mail from St. Louis, in the original de Havilland DH-4 biplane, in ten bulky gunny sacks are the combined audiobook renditions and supplemental background information as presented in podcast form by moi, me, Robert P. Fitton. Good evening to one and all, wherever in the galaxy you make your home. Well, after a federal corruption investigation that has stretched on for years, the government has now reached a tentative settlement with the United Auto Workers. The deal includes federal oversight for years to come and a critical vote by the rank and
1: file. Let's get to Priya Mann. She's live tonight. Priya, that vote is going to have a major impact on the union.
0: Yeah, Kimberly, Devon. a lot of changes to come, changes both sides agree to. This is a settlement agreement right here. You know, when you talk to a lot of rank-and-file members, you hear the word solidarity a lot. Well, today was a show of solidarity between the U.S. government and an embattled union looking to move forward. union something that Jones and Coco may run into in Episode 2. With everyone relaxing in Mulligan's barge two months after Bill Jones' death, Bill's close friend Iggy comes in. Jones is aware now that Lester Larson has been arrested and is behind bars for his property damage. Coco and Jones find a lead about the beer that Bill Jones brought back to Iggy, beer that was made in Cleveland, Ohio. They head north from Wabash Corners in the middle of the night to avoid any scrutiny by the local police chief, Boynton. Here is episode two of Rest in Peace Bill Jones, here on Fittin' on the Air. Rest in peace, Bill Jones. Chapter 6. Mulligan's Bar, Wabash Corners, Indiana. In the window booth, Aunt May, drinking a Madeira eggnog, howled at another one of Coco's stories about Prince William. She continuously cautioned Jones how the eggnog and the alcohol would add to her already rotund girth. Then she'd take another sip. Jones was more concerned about Iggy, ten minutes late for the dinner at Mulligan's. This place kind of grows on you said Coco, but it's still a dump. It's our dump, (laughs) said Aunt May, giggling. Jones pursed his lips and stood as Coco began a story about his uncle, a football player. He wandered along the windows and opened the lobby door. In the alcove, he put his sneaker on the side bench as he panned the parking lot through the sidelight. He didn't think Iggy was withholding anything about Dad. Jones stood up straight when Iggy's maroon Tacoma pickup rounded the entrance and parked under the second light pole. He wasn't sure what to ask Iggy and felt he might be putting Iggy through more grief. Iggy wore his denim jacket and jeans and a dark white socks cap. Jones opened the door. Iggy, Matthias, I heard you and Stephanie broke up. Jones looked into his hazel eyes. You heard correct, Iggy. A couple of uh, honeys were involved. Iggy looked inside through the other side lights. They in there now? It's not what you think, Iggy, said Jones, slightly smiling as he opened the heavy door. It never is. You ever get up to the Sox games, asked Jones. Well, we'll see if you and I can catch a game this summer, said Jones. I used to like that old municipal stadium in Cleveland. Bill says it ain't there no more. Coco looked up. Hey, Igman, come over here. Sit down. You want a drink? Hello, May. "'said Iggy, grinning and looking at the two empty glasses of Madeira eggnog. "'What's your real name there, Iggy?' asked Coco. "'Ignatius, like the school and the saint?' "'Only he ain't no saint,' said Aunt May. "'Have another drink, May,' said Iggy, needling her. "'Julie appeared with her tray. "'Hey, Julie, I'll have one of those beers from Five Lakes Brewing.' "'Is that the stuff that Bill brought you from one of his trips?' asked Aunt May." He had that truck loaded with six cases, said Iggy. Aunt May finished the Madeira eggnog. Another mascara, Jones leaned forward. Maybe you should have a soda, Aunt May. Come on, Jonesy, she's having a good time. Yeah, Jonesy, said Aunt May, and even Iggy laughed. Coach, I'll try one of Dad's five lakes. Coco, I'm all set here, Julie. You know, Matthias, when Bill was playing his rock and roll, you always tried to shut him off, too, said Aunt May. Yeah, I remember that. Buddy Holly wore you down, said Iggy. Coco leaned toward Jones. What's the matter? Don't you like rock and roll, Jonesy? If I recall, Dad had just finished his 11th beer. It was a little loud. Potty, pooper, said Aunt May, making a slurping sound as she tried to capture the last of the Madeira eggnog from the nearby glass. Bill loved rock and roll, said Iggy. Probably was the last thing you ever listened to. Jones made a note to check the truck radio. Bill told me there's an American Bandstand film at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Then again, Matthias probably hates Dick Clark, too. I don't hate Dick Clark, said Jones. Okay, who wrote the song American Bandstand, the theme song, asked Iggy. Jones shrugged his shoulders. I don't know, Bobby Darren. Coco hit his shoulder. No, Jones, he was Barry Manilow. He's right. Coco winked at Jones as Julie brought the beers and he tried to figure out how they were going to haul Aunt May out of Mulligan's. Jones slowly closed Aunt May's bedroom door. He descended the wooden stairs to the high-ceiling kitchen. Coco sat in front of the living room TV and watched the cable news. Jones stepped over to the kitchen table and removed the empty bottles of Dad's Five Lakes beer he had bought at Mulligan's. Coco looked up at Jones. Too bad about the radio stations in the truck. Don't you find it odd that they've all been wiped out? Coco nodded. No doubt about it. One more of those unprovable tidbits. Jones sat on the couch, like they didn't want anybody to know. I'll tell you one thing. That beer was primo. I may order some kegs for the club. Was good. Barry Manilow. You listen to Barry Manilow? No, I don't listen to Barry Manilow. I just knew the answer, Jonesy. Jones smiled. You know, you can be a wise ass. Jones grinned again. And you can't? I pride myself on it. Headlights swung through the long window. Coco stood. What the hell is this? Not sure. Jones was surprised when Coco removed a shiny handgun. The sheriff's cruiser came to a stop next to the BMW. Both Boynton and Warren Bugis, his deputy, headed for the front steps. Coco put the gun back in his shoulder holster under his leather coat. Jones darted into the kitchen. Boynton stared at him through the storm door. Jones opened both doors. What's happened now? Is uh, Mr. Stefani here? I'm right here, said Coco, walking into the kitchen. I just want to inform you both that that Larson character busted out of jail about an hour ago. He busted out of jail? What's the matter? Don't you lock your doors, Boynton? Asked Coco. I don't need your lips to me. Hey, wait, said Jones. How did he get out? Boynton turned. Warren, tell them. The pug-faced deputies stepped forward. We had Dr. Woodard from the state examining the prisoner. The prisoner jumped up, then disappeared under the table. I don't understand, said Jones. Best we can see is that he escaped through the canine entrance... That little swing door inside the main door. So the mutt bolted out to be with the rest of his dog friends. I'm afraid so, said Boynton. We just wanted you to know because he was stalking you. You'll find him, said Coco, probably baying at the moon with the coyotes. We consider him dangerous. Coco stepped toward Boynton. He ain't dangerous. He's a moron. Just let us know. Don't confront him. "Ah, of course not said Coco, rolling his eyes at Jones. Okay, good night. Thanks, Boynton. Jones closed the door and watched them enter the cruiser. That little creep is trouble, Jonesy. He always has been. Fletchers have been bailing him out as long as I can remember. Why? Hamilton Fletcher is a fanatic about the image of the school and Lester's Larson's son. Coco walked up to Jones, still looking out the front door. What now, Jonesy? Jones shook his head and then slowly turned. Looks like we're at a dead end. I'll head back to New Hampshire. You coming? Let me sleep on it. None of your side road theories? Nothing. All I know is that something's wrong with what happened to Dad. Really wrong. Rest in Peace, Bill Jones. Chapter 7. Aunt May's Farmhouse, 322 Old Wabash Road. Wabash Corners, Indiana. Aunt May's still sleeping, said Jones as they stepped into the colder air. She sure as hell tied one on. Jones walked with Coco down the dirt drive to the rented BMW. Coco's curly hair looked moose, but was probably just wet from the shower. He threw his bags in the trunk and then shut it. Then he extended his hand to Jones. Jonesy, I have to tell you, You got what it takes, and I don't mean just on the field. You cut through the bullshit. I look forward to seeing your club. Right, you come back either way. You'll be my guest. He shook Coco's hand. Thanks for your help with Dad. Hey, this isn't over by a long shot. I'll talk to you. He stood at the trunk as Coco slid inside, hummed the engine, and then started down the driveway. Jones removed his ringing cell phone. Boynton's name flashed on the screen. Matthias Jones. Matthias, Iggy's dead. A cold chill spread through his chest. His heart raced lickety split. He felt his eyes filling as Dad's death came flying back. Matthias, are you there? I heard you. Jones sprinted down the driveway. Coco had already started up Old Wabash Road. Coco! Coco! The BMW had just reached the highway bridge when the brake lights brightened red. In a single motion, he spun the car around and arced back toward Jones. Matthias, are you there? What happened? One shot to the back of the head. The railroad crossing to Iggy's Road. Two witnesses at the railway house said they saw a camouflaged Jeep parallel the tracks and speed onto the interstate. I have to talk to Donovan now. He cut the call. Coco pulled alongside Jones. He looked Jones over and got out of the car. He was Iggy, right? Bought to the head. This thing's for real now, Coco. They figured out Iggy knew something. Coco lit a cigarette. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Jones tapped his wrist. You have to get to the airport. Coco produced a cross between a grunt and a laugh. <laughs> hey, I ain't going nowhere, Jonesy. You'll miss your plane and Hamilton Fletcher will have a fit. Coco stared at Jones for a few seconds. He'll get over it. In case you don't get it, Jonesy, you need protection me. You think those clowns are going to just let you snoop around? Get in. Where are we going? You get me to the place where they popped Diggy. I like Diggy, and we have to pressure Donovan. Donovan and Bender, along with three other men in suits, worked out of a van 20 yards from Iggy's Tacoma. Boynton and a couple of state policemen in navy blue uniforms conferred behind the medical examiner's van. Jones and Coco bypassed Boynton and went straight to Donovan. Well, I've been waiting for you, Matthias. I'm sorry about Iggy. He and Bill were very close. Jones raised his voice. And you're still going to tell me my father had a heart attack? Yes. Sure, that's what he's going to tell you. Thought you left for New England, growled Bender. See, you're right on top of it there, Stetson, said Coco. It's Bender. Matthias, I know you. You're as persistent as Bill. Please let us handle this, said Donovan. We have the resources and the legal authority. We can get to places you can't, said Jones. You can get yourself killed, too. Jones squared off face to face and pointed at Donovan. I will find Dad's killer, because Dad was murdered. I didn't say that. There are tough people involved in this investigation. Coco stepped forward. Why don't you just level with Jonesy about his old man? Nothing to level about, said Donovan. Let me tell you something. If Jonesy has the same instincts as his old man, he'll track down who he needs to track down, whether you guys like it or not. Then, Mr. Stefani, the investigation may be compromised. Matthias runs at his own risk. So do I, dude, so do I. After Iggy's funeral at the end of the week, Jones and Coco appropriated two corner tables at Mulligan's. The afternoon had fallen to night, and the little yellow lights on the table glowed over Jones's road map with a huge 600-mile radius traced in red marker. The dinner dishes and glasses were pushed to the side. I talked to Iggy's wife at the funeral. She knows nothing about what Dad was doing. Coco, cigarette in the corner of his mouth, leaned toward Jones. Look, Jonesy, I say we find out where your old man was headed. Or where he went before. Right. He set the cigarette on the ashtray. Let's say we head up to Chicago. Then what? Jones pursed his lips. How do we figure that out? Stop by, finding out who killed Iggy. I'm surprised they were so obvious. They did it to send a message. Your old man, they just wanted the whole thing to go away. The cops and the FBI know these people will do what they have to do. That's why Donovan warned you. Iggy never told Mrs. Runnels he felt threatened. They ordered him dead. Those guys are long gone now. The mob? You don't know that. Thugs, yeah. But who's thugs? Coco inhaled the cigarette again. Where's your father's notebook? He took notes, right? Always oh, on a yellow line pad, but it's not in the truck. <laughs> Somebody lifted it. Donovan's boys know who killed your old man. Are they in on it? just an ongoing operation, that's all. Look, let me call my man in Boston. I need a landline phone. The cops may be monitoring our cell phones. I live here, but I don't know Mulligan's manager. Let me give you a little advice, Jonesy. I don't care where you are. You scope out the area, the little and the big things. Know why things are the way they are. The manager likes opera. He has a calendar in his office for opera houses around the world. The guy even sings. Just a matter of observing and asking a few questions and then listening. I'll be right back. How do you know all this? I talked to him. Julie brought two more Five Lake Brewings amber beer bottles. Nice and cold. Thanks, Julie. Stephanie was in here last night. Uh, She was talking about you and Coco. Oh, let her talk, said Jones as Julie smiled and moved over to the other booths along the windows. Jones read the label about the aged brewing methods at Five Lakes. Then he poured the beer into his tilted glass. He had just taken a full gulp of cold beer when he saw Lester Larson pop his head outside the first booth window. Jones opened his eyes wide and Lester disappeared. Jones immediately took out his cell and dialed Sheriff Boynton. Boynton. This is Matthias. Lester Larson is peeking in the windows at Mulligan's. It's him and his goggles.
1: We'll be right over, Matthias. Stay put.
0: Jones held both sides of his beer glass. Less than a half a minute later, Lester bobbed up again like a turtle in a pond, the goggles reflecting the inner lights. Jones exhaled and tried not to look over. When he finally turned, Lester disappeared into the darkness. Unbelievable. Five minutes later, Lester was at the next window. Jones closed his eyes. What are you doing? Meditating, Jonesy? Lester. What are you saying? I just called Boynton. Where is the little bastard? Boynton? No, Lawson. Ten minutes later, Boynton's cruiser moved by the window and his deputy, gun raised, trotted along the curb. There's Boynton. He said to stay put. Coco laughed. What, do you think I'm going to shoot Lawson? I thought about it. Yeah, you're right. Forget about him. Listen to me and listen good. My friend in Boston is very well connected. I told him what happened to Iggy, and I gave him a list of the cities. He owes me a lot of favors. He's getting his people on this. Is it legal? What do you care if it's legal? You want to track down the killers or what? Coco looked out the window. There he goes. The deputy swung a net over Lester's head and soon had him handcuffed. They got him. Good, they can bring him back to the zoo. Jones's phone rang. I'll be over.
1: There's a $500 reward.
0: Just give it to the General Sports Scholarship at the school. Will do. Coco poured the beer. This is good beer. Brewed in Cleveland. Never heard of it. Wait, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. I was up there with my uncle, the football player, a couple of years ago. Jones and Coco locked eyes. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Didn't your old man give Iggy six cases of this beer? He did. You can't buy it in a package store around here. Why did he say rock and roll before he left Iggy? Iggy knew, and he kept his trap shut, said Coco. Guess we should pack for Cleveland. Oh, really? he asked as he poured the beer. You don't think they're watching us, Jonesy? They could be out there right now. We'll head for your aunt's house, and then we'll pretend we're going to bed. Then we sneak out, no headlights, and take the state road rather than the interstate. Very good, Jonesy. And then we'll switch cars before we get there. You think like a criminal. Maybe you can come work for me. Dad used to say if you don't think like the bad guys, they'll eat you up. Maybe that's what's happened here, bro. Rest in peace, Bill Jones. State Road 24, Logansport, Indiana. Coco drove the B&W steadily at the speed limit. Red taillights blended with the night down the long freeway stretch. He passed under a clove leaf bridge and turned to Jones. time is it, Jonesy? Jones checked his watch. The dash clock was off by four and a half hours. 3.30. We need to pay cash for the hotels and meals. Jones opened his wallet. I have 50 bucks in my wallet. (laughs) Big spender. How much do you have? Don't worry about it. No, seriously. Around five grand. Wow. I don't like to leave a paper trail. What I'm telling you is don't charge nothing and stay off the cell phones. We're dealing with dangerous dudes here. Are the cops crooked? Who knows? I don't trust cops either way. They got their own agenda. Dad bought those beer cases for Iggy. Didn't have to be in Cleveland. It could be just the Cleveland area. Suppose he did go to the Rock and Roll Hall. There must be a surveillance camera, said Jones, as the first car in several minutes passed by. Maybe, maybe not, said Coco, evidencing a large smile. You should either be an investigator or a criminal, Jonesy. Jones turned with his head back and laughed. I'm going to coach. Good. We'll head back to Hamilton after all this. Unless we get killed. Coco produced a nervous laugh and then lit a cigarette with one hand. I know what you want, Jonesy. You want justice. Jones focused on the parking lot lights in the industrial parks along the highway. What about your people in Boston? What you don't know can't hurt you. He squinted in the rearview mirror. That car's been behind us for 15 minutes. When I speed up, it speeds up. Jones looked over his shoulder. It's way back there. You drive, Jonesy. He removed his gun and pulled onto the road shoulder. They quickly switched positions and Jones gripped the wheel. Can you drive a standard? Yeah, I can drive a standard. Looks like the clown just stopped. That ain't good. Floor it, Jonesy. Jones shifted and the BMW bucked. Thought you said you could drive... Jones smooth shifted and raced back to the inside lane. Where is he now? I knew it. He's after us. Faster, Jonesy. I'm going 65. Then go 70, 80, 100. He yelled as the engine whined. In the mirror, an extended camouflage Jeep closed in on the BMW. That's the jeep from the railroad crossing. Those boys are very efficient. Look, when I tell you, hit the brakes easy and the moron will catch up. Coco balanced the gun on his forearm. Wait, wait. The headlights shined around the inside of the BMW. Now! Jones eased on the brakes and the jeep barreled forward. Coco fired three times and one of the shots hit the front tire. Then he shot out the headlights. The car spun behind them and went off the shoulder into a gully. Incredible. I guess Hotshot will be late for breakfast. Coco lowered his dark-rimmed sunglasses and gazed up the state highway. I don't even know where the hell we are. We're in Fort Wayne. Okay, let's find a G, Rendell, and turn in the car. It'll be in their records, but it won't be on credit. Our main concern is they don't spot the Beamer, especially with that Jeep taken out. What's the G stand for? Godzilla. You're making that up. Come on, everybody's heard of Godzilla rentals. Add me to the list. Jones watched the city buildings and plazas as they whipped by. You do know that this is a crapshoot. Maybe, but if we stayed in Wabash Corners, they'd kill us both. Whatever your old man was looking for, it has to be important to the bad boys. Jones nodded. I know that. He could have bought that beer for Iggy anywhere in Ohio or along the lake. I'm going to call Boston once we change vehicles. A long way from Cleveland to Boston, Coco. (laughs) On the street, it don't matter. The only thing that means something is how much people talk. The blue truck rental was newer, bigger, and more powerful than Dad's green pickup. When they were back on the road, Jones finished his donuts and coffee and turned to Coco. What did Boston tell you? You know, these donuts don't hold a candle to Big Mama's donuts. Same for the coffee. Tastes like dinosaur puke. What's Big Mama's? Big Mama has her joints all the way up the coast, up to Maine. You want to know what Boston told me, don't you? If you know something, you'll be putting yourself in the danger zone. I'm already in the danger zone, Coco. Yeah, I guess you are. He slowed at the traffic light. Frank Gotoski. Who's that? President, Local 4 on the docks. They call him Frankie Ski. He's connected to the big boys. Boston told me Gautowski is a hothead. Word is that he murdered three workers who were snooping around in control of his pension funds. The FBI's looking into that, too. That's why Donovan's quiet. But how would dad be involved with something in Cleveland? I don't know. But here's the link Gautowski controls the same union in the beer company. All the drivers, all the warehouse people. I think your father bought cases of beer at the brewery so he could snoop around. Maybe even talk to a contact. Then he gave the beer to Iggy when he got back home. And the murdered guys worked for Five Lakes, said Jones. Bingo. Good work, Coco. But how do we dig deeper? Boston's working on it. What's Boston's angle? Very good, Jonesy. People at the top in Boston hate Frank Galtowski's guts. He tried to throw his weight around Southie for a while. Southie? Part of Boston. Listen, they sent him packing, but people were killed after a union rally in Dorchester. We're heading into the lion's den. They ain't gonna move until word comes out on that jeep. Coco signaled and moved on to the interstate. Don't get me wrong. Boston is real happy. We're trying to nail Frank Galtoski. Frank Gautoski. Yeah, we need to know exactly why Bill Jones was in Cleveland. Coco sat on the motel bed with the telephone resting on his knee. Jones watched a Louisville basketball game on cable. The lead had changed hands four times. Coco spoke loudly as if the person on the other end was far away. Hey, Dilly, I ain't doing this for the bounty on Gautoski. With Bill Jones from Wabash Corners, Indiana, investigating the Union or Gautowski. Coco lit a cigarette. We can wait for that information. No, we won't go nowhere till we find out about the Jeep. You have contacts with the Massachusetts Stadies. Okay. Okay, Dilly, I'll talk to you. So we don't know for sure whether he was up here, asked Jones, still watching the game. They don't know. You got any money on this game, Jonesy? Two good teams. Not everything has to be a bet. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. Coco stood and walked over to the phone. Is this a hit on Frank Gautoski? Because if it is, Coco, you can count me out. Calm down, Jonesy. You have nothing to do with this. You're here checking on what your father did up here. So you're going to plug Gautoski. Plug? (laughs) Coco inhaled on the cigarette. What do you think I am, some kind of hitman? I'm getting information for Boston, and that's it. What happens later ain't my problem or yours. So we get into the beer plant. Then what? We find out if your old man bought Iggy Cases at the plant. If he did, then he might have a contact. Maybe that contact gave him the skinny on Gautoski and the three murdered workers. Then they killed Dad. Doc had an opinion on a faked heart attack. What doctor? They just call him the doctor. He ain't a real doctor. He said you can do it easy with peroxide. Clots up the blood and there's no trace in it. Jones squinted. What would Gautoski do? Just order the hit? Right, like he did with those three workers. I don't see how we're going to find Dad's contact, if there is one. I think Boston may be able to get it through the FBI. So Donovan knows. Sure he does. But he doesn't want Gautoski to know the FBI knows anything. Or who the contact is at Five Lakes. We can assume that Dad uncovered the whole thing. Yeah, it cost him his life. Rest in peace, Bill Jones, Chapter 9. Five Lakes Company, 45 Premier Boulevard, Cleveland, Ohio. Jones followed Coco from the yellow-and-white striped bus less than a block... From the linear Five Lakes plant on Lake Erie. An evergreen cluster framed the window span, highlighting the shiny copper vats inside. We need to be in and out of here, said Coco. I have a plan. Your phone is shut off, right? It is. Donovan is probably wondering where we are or following us. Coco hit his shoulder. Forget Donovan. Worry about Gartowski and the jeep. He put a stick of gum in his mouth and offered Jones a piece. Jones shook his head as they started up the concrete walkway. What's your plan? He head into the company store. I'll go back up front and page Bill Jones's son to the front lobby. there's a contact here, maybe he'll come out. Long shot? Hey, you can go back if you want, Jonesy. I'm committed to Boston. They want Gautowski's ass. I want to know who killed my father. Right. And I gotta do what I gotta do, said Coco as they reached the lobby doors. Coco opened the glass door and motioned Jones inside. After you, Sweeble. Not funny. A center kiosk provided brochures around stacked amber bottles of Five Lakes beer. Coco's black boots echoed off the white tiles as he walked up to the receptionist. Jones studied the individual amber bottles and panned the upper glass-angled roof. He conjured up an image of Dad walking in this very plant only a few months back. Coco returned with a map of the plant. The store is on the second floor. Drone spotted surveillance cameras at the corner metal girders. I would assume they have recordings of everyone who walks in here. We'll try that angle if the contact doesn't come out. I doubt Dad used his real name. We'll see, said Coco as he hit the elevator button. "'Don't you take the stairs, Coco?' "'I only exert myself when I have to.' "'The elevator doors separated. "'Jones spotted another camera and looked at Coco. "'Neither man said anything "'and walked onto the second-floor white vinyl tiles. "'The open store, not crowded, "'contained numerous stacks of beer, "'a few monitor screens with the company story, "'and books on beer and the company. "'More cameras,' said Jones, looking down. "'Why?' "'Yeah, why?' Coco picked up a beer bottle. They want to track the traffic in here. Near the register was a well-lit adjacent room with more pallets of beer cases. Jones stepped up to the clerk. If we buy more than one case, can you bring it out to my car? Well, sure, said the thin brunette. But you're limited to six cases per customer. He looked at Coco across the store. Jones was even more sure that Dad had been in here. Why six? Sir? If we have unlimited, we'll be out of stock really quick. I see. Can I place an order for you? I'll be back. He joined Coco at the book section next to a window span overlooking the lake. Six cases. Well, now we know, said Coco, still chewing the gum. Now we know why Iggy got the six cases. Your father use any aliases? I was thinking about that. If he did, Dad never divulged it. Smart, said Coco, reading the company book. Hey, this guy Anderson started brewing beer in his kitchen. The wife helped him. One of the kids once drank Coco, Are you going downstairs? Coco held out the book. Will you relax, Jonesy? He was here. I had my doubts, but he was here. Coco stared at him. You let me do the talking if the guy hauling the beer shows up. Fine. Jones kept shifting his weight from foot to foot. Coco handed the book to him. Here, read the book, and come downstairs when I have your name called on the PA. Jones watched him enter the elevator. Coco waved with his fingers as the doors closed, then Jones turned with the book in his hand. Outside to his left, the warehouse extended for at least a hundred yards toward a huge parking lot with yellow trucks moving in and out. A few employees walked the trail that circled along the lake and back to a courtyard below. Just how powerful was Frank Gautowski? Will the son of Bill Jones please report to the reception area? The announcement jolted him, and he almost dropped the book. He set it on the shelf and headed for the stairs slowly to give the contact time to reach the front desk. Coco looked toward the elevator below, but no one had entered the lobby from the side doors. Coco instinctively turned as Jones... Under a crystalline chandelier, descended the smooth-tiled staircase. Hey, what was your first name? Coco asked as he met Jones halfway, Bill Jr. Coco guided him ahead. So much for the contacts showing up. Well, let's wait a few minutes, said Jones. That warehouse was the size of a football field. I don't want to stay in here any longer than we have to, Jonesy. Jones gazed up the stairs to the company store. At least a minute went by before he had a new thought about the stacked up cases of beer upstairs. Wait, what? Somebody had to take those cases to Dad's truck. Yeah, so what? You're assuming it was the same guy. I'm gonna find out. You're wasting your time, Jonesy. It gets back to Gautowski. We're dead men. What are you, just going through the motions for Boston? Shut up. No, if you don't care about finding the truth, then go back to the hotel, Coco. Jones started up the stairs and didn't look back. If the same guy got Dad's cases down to his truck, it might just be possible to talk to him. He would mention that Dad was up here a couple months ago, and he would find out about the terminated workers. When he reached the top, Coco leaned against the elevator doors. He met Jones by the window. Coco stopped at the top of the stairs. know, I don't take that kind of talk from nobody. So you changed your mind? Coco smiled. I like you, Jonesy. Or you would have shot me. He seemed to think I'm this branded killer. Jones raised his brows and grinned as they headed toward the store. I own a club, but I don't go around killing people. Unless I have to. I rest my case. Jones stood at the book section when a petite woman, blonde hair tucked under a white construction hat, walked up the rampway. She wore a Five Lakes yellow uniform and removed her gloves as she approached. I'm Sandra Colby. Did you have a question about a shipment? Do you bring down all the shipments, Miss Colby? Asked Jones. She smiled. I try to. Two months ago, my dad bought six cases and you loaded them in a green pickup. Sandra's smile dropped. Who are you? His son. Where is he? Dead. Her eyes filled and she fidgeted. Oh, God, you better go. What happened to the three Five Lakes workers? asked Jones. She glanced at Coco near the entrance. Who's he? He's with me. I can't talk here. Her face tightened. 3712 West Hathaway Street. Townhouse. I'm home after six. She turned and retreated to the warehouse ramp. Both Jones and Coco said nothing as they met halfway and then entered the elevator. They remained silent down to the first floor until they reached the outside walk. "'Just keep moving, Jonesy. "'How did you know about that chick, man?' "'Just a side road theory, a hunch. "'Yeah, we lucked out, but we need to split up. "'Why? "'Just in case they're on to us,' he said as they rounded the block. "'I'll go to the townhouse,' said Jones. "'Okay, and I'll cover you outside. "'You never know when you're going to get set up.' "'Coco pulled himself from the yellow cab, followed by Jones.' They stood on the curb in front of a series of townhouses two blocks from 3712. If you're being double-crossed, get out, Jonesy. Where will you be? Coco faced a chain-link fence paralleling the road. I'll be in the park in back of the bus stop. You have your gun? What do you think? Hopefully you'll get the goods on Frankie's ski and we get the hell out of here. Coco hit his knuckles against Jones's knuckles and crossed the street toward the park. Jones had a small notepad and pen in his rear pocket. He approached the red and gray townhouse and started up the stone steps. The aluminum mailbox slot had Colby written in red ink under the plastic. He jabbed at the brass button for the bell. Then the door buzzed, and he moved inside. Sander opened the door and light filled the hallway. "'Where's your friend?' she asked, looking down the sidewalk. "'He's across the street in the park.' Sandra opened the door wider. Jones walked into an immaculate wood floor apartment with oriental rugs and Tiffany floor lamps. She pulled the curtain back and checked the street. Her blonde hair spread over her shoulders and she had changed into jeans and a red jersey. Please sit down, Mr. Jones. Jones sat on the smooth fabric sofa. I'm sorry about your father. When he didn't come back, I feared the worst. Thanks. The union doesn't know about Johnny and the Gustafson brothers. Is that why Dad was killed? She shook her head and sat in the chair. I don't know. Let me tell you what I saw. I was on my way to work and I decided to take the trail along the lake. It's a long day here. Sometimes I work 12 hours a day. Those thugs. I've seen them guarding the meetings. Frankie Ski's thugs. They beat those boys with crowbars. She lowered her head in her hands. I'm sorry. Her eyes were moist when she looked up. Then they threw the bodies in the water, weighted down with rocks. Did you tell this to my father? Yes. How did he contact you? She creased her forehead. He ordered the cases and I came upstairs. He said that Norman Fuller and the union tipped off the FBI. Really? asked Jones. Donovan's face came into his head. He gave Bill Jones my name and told him I handled the case delivery to the parking lot. Norman saw the murders too, and he saw me witnessing the killings. I need to talk to him. You can't. Why not? He was run down by one of the trucks of Big Rig almost two months ago. Bill Jones said he was going to meet with Norman, and they brought him back to Wabash Corners and killed him. Jones had an expanding pain in his stomach when she said they killed Dad. Did anyone investigate Norman's death? No. Are you willing to go to the FBI? As I told Bill, I'm scared. You don't understand who you're dealing with here. Frankie Ski is a very powerful man. It's not just me. I have a family. I understand. I think you should come with us. We'll get you to the FBI as well as your family. She pursed her lips and creased her brow. You must have been under such pressure, said Jones as he stood. Jones got up from the sofa. Sandra stood and held on to him. Those poor boys. What about the local cops? What are they doing? So many cops are under Frankie Ski's control. Don't you know? She said, wiping her eyes. It's so corrupt. I know. Listen, can I get you a drink? I have coffee and tea. Then she smiled. Strangely, I don't have any beer. Coffee's fine. She moved over to the long white cabinets and took out the red coffee can what do you do, Mr. Jones? Well, I coach. Football, basketball, baseball. College? Maybe. I just got an offer. College in New Hampshire. Well, congratulations. Jones entered the kitchen as she poured water from the carafe to the coffee maker. Thanks, I'm debating it. Never been to New England. Jones could smell the brewing coffee now as it trickled into the carafe. True, my aunt still lives in Wabash Corners. Where's that? "'Indiana.' "'I've been to Indiana.' "'What brought you to Five Lakes?' asked Jones, leaning on the counter. "'I managed a small warehouse in Akron, and the union advertised. "'We all got paid well. "'I never realized what the real world was all about "'until I dealt with this union and Frankie Ski. "'Obviously.' "'She placed two cups on the counter and poured the coffee. "'What do you take?' "'Light and sweet.' "'She giggled. "'Okay?' Jones returned the smile as she added the milk and sugar. Then she handed the cup to him. They both moved to the sofa. Jones had just taken a sip of the dark roast when shots sounded outside. He spilled his coffee on his jeans and slid the cup on the coffee table. Oh my God! shouted Sandra. He grabbed the phone and punched in 911. More shots sounded outside. Special
1: services, this call is being recorded.
0: Gunshots fired at 3712 West Hathaway, he shouted. Rifles! Jones threw the receiver back on the hook. He waved her back and yanked back the curtain. A red Mustang had just pulled up in front of the next townhouse. She leaned over his shoulder. Three men, all with rifles, were ensconced along the Mustang. They fired toward Coco in the park. Where's your car, Sandra? Out back, she screamed. How do we reach the road? Along the back of the townhouses. They have rifles. If we don't get my friend out, they'll kill him. She grabbed the keys and backed into the rear alley. Jones followed her out the back door. More shots ricocheted outside. They jumped into a teal Camry. She looped the car around and then drove forward, paralleling West Hathaway Street. Jones lowered the window. Just go real slow. The gunfire was louder now. Sandra, is there another way into that park? Belfort Street is further along. Then we can backtrack. Come in from behind. Jones saw Coco's leg flared out on the ground as he leaned against a tree. I'm getting out. You go around, Sandra. Come out the other side, like you said, from behind. They'll shoot you. Jones didn't respond. He rounded the rear of the Camry and crossed West Hathaway as the weapons fire sporadically continued to his left. The Camry followed West Hathaway Street. Jones dove behind the parked cars and wiggled on his belly down the sidewalk. He remained on his stomach between the cars. Coco leaned against a tree less than 30 feet away from a small chain-link fence. Coco fired once toward the Mustang, and more bullets rustled the leaves. Jones, hidden by another car, leaped the fence and belly-flopped onto the grass. In a few seconds, he squiggled toward Coco. Coco fired again, but saw Jones. Jonesy, what are you, crazy? Get out of here! His right pant leg at the thigh had a rounded, blood frame hole. Jones pulled off his sweatshirt and then removed his t-shirt. He wrapped it around Coco's leg and twisted the knot with a stick. He slid his sweatshirt over his head. Okay, I'm gonna fireman's carry you. Forget it. Get out of here. Shut up. He hoisted Coco up and rolled him over his shoulders. Hold the tourniquet. The shot started again as Jones wobbled with Coco across his shoulders deeper into the park foliage. Coco said nothing as Jones carried him through another entrance. Ahead, Sandra's Camry inched up the side street. She stopped and pushed open the door. Jones helped Coco slide onto the back seat. He directed Sandra back with Coco and told her to secure the tourniquet. He brought the car around as bullets soon riddled the doors and side window. Jones drove wildly down the street but veered into an alley. From the alley, Sandra pointed toward the freeway and the hospital several exits away. Jones waited in the side street as the Mustang flew by. Then he gradually moved back to the street, and he was on the freeway just a few minutes later. Two exits down the freeway, he entered the ramp for the hospital. Coco was quiet as Jones turned into the emergency entrance. Coco, I'm all right, Jonesy, he said in a lower voice. Just stay put, Sandra, while I get him out of here. Coco winced as he spoke. Jonesy, they'll find us. Then he briefly closed his eyes. Jones shouted toward the entrance. Hurry, this man has lost blood. The crew appeared a short time later, and men in white uniforms gingerly lifted Coco onto the gurney. Jones accompanied him inside. They hooked up an IV and raced down the hospital corridor. Jones was stopped at the swinging doors. You'll have to wait outside here, sir, and hope he makes it. Both rear doors of Sandra's car were open and the engine running. Sandra, he called through cupped hands. Sandra! At the front entrance, a single brown sedan rounded the hospital drive and slowed alongside Jones. Donovan, in a solid blue suit, white shirt, and dark tie, bolted out before the car stopped. Thias, are you all right? Yeah. Coco was hit. He's lost blood and he has leg damage. They're working on him now. Donovan pointed at Jones as he spoke. You do know he has a criminal record. I really don't care, said Jones. We lost you once you entered the plant. You have no business being involved in this, regardless of what happened to Bill. I thought it was a heart attack, Mark. You're interfering with a criminal investigation. Jones peered into his dark eyes. Who killed Dad? We don't know. Your 911 call came from the townhouse of Sandra Colby. Your dad would admire your persistence in finding her, but please, we're dealing with bad people here. Go back to Wabash Corners or go with Stefani to New Hampshire. Just like that. And forget that somebody killed Dad. I don't want to charge you. Jones laughed. She's escaped, Mark. Donovan closed his eyes and reached for his cell. Bender, Five Lakes witness was a Sandra Colby from the Hathaway address. She's missing from the hospital. He turned to Jones, standing in front of him. What does she know? She saw the three guys get murdered by the lake and another guy run over by a truck. Donovan put his hands on his hips. I know about the man who was run down. Yeah, we'll add that to the list for Frankie Ski. They walked into the emergency room. All the video for last September 19th is missing. I'm sure your father is on that video. Thanks for letting me know. I need Colby as a witness. I can't believe you let her get away. Mark, said Jones, raising his voice. You're talking to me like I'm a cop. As a civilian, I was more concerned about getting Coco into the hospital. I took my eyes off the ball, okay? Stefani was wounded by whom? Three guys with rifles and a red Mustang. Okay, preliminary witnesses on West Hathaway corroborate the Mustang. Donovan sat down with Jones in the lobby. Want a coffee, Matthias? Jones shook his head. No, this whole thing is just so bad. "'They've already killed her.' "'Oh, you don't know that,' said Donovan. "'His black eye swung toward Jones. "'Unless she fled, so they wouldn't get her.' "'Well, that's possible. "'She did witness three men being beaten to death "'with crowbars because of Gautoski and the Union boys. "'The Union itself is not involved. "'It's Gautoski and his organization that's corrupt. "'Will you testify that Colby told you she witnessed the murders?' "'Sure.' but you better get armed guards up to Coco. Donovan nodded as the gray-haired Bender walked in. And just don't assign Bender to me or to Coco. Donovan smiled. Why? He looked at Bender. You know why. By the way, even though you were told to back off, you have critical information. Good job. Your father would be proud. No. Dad would say I never should have let the girl out of my sight. Jones kicked the chair leg, crunched his fists, and stared out the window. Donovan headed for the nurse's station. Jones sat down again, shaking his head as he crossed his legs and continued looking out the window. The same type of camouflage jeep raced up the on-ramp to the freeway. What the hell? Jones stood as the jeep went onto the freeway. He backed up to Donovan. Coco and I were trailed by a camouflage jeep two days ago. They were trying to force us off the state highway. I believe I just saw that Jeep go off the Interstate 77 on-ramp. We know about the Jeep from citizens who called in the shootout you were involved in. Donovan held out his phone again. Yeah, you guys are trigger-happy, said Bender, who appeared to his right. Shut up, Bender. Bender was about to open his mouth again. I know. Agent Bender. This is Donovan. The Indiana Jeep is now traveling on I-77 outside Cleveland. Right. No tag. No driver identification. I want Captain Hargrove to meet me in the hospital lobby. I want at least a half a dozen offices to God Stefani and Jones. Okay. What now? Asked Jones. Do you remember Agent Day when you were in high school? Yeah, Day was from Washington. Why, what are you telling me this for? You came into the office with Bill. We made you a special agent. Yeah, well, it's nice going down memory lane, Mark, but that was a signed document. You are technically a special agent of the FBI. You were shot at. That's a federal crime. Oh, that's ludicrous. I just checked with legal. The document was signed. It was a real agreement. Good. Maybe you can get me a Dakota ring, too. What would your father say, Matthias? Dad would tell you to move Coco Stefani and myself to a safe house. Our staying alive is not part of Frankie Ski's game plan. This is true. How come you guys didn't know about Sandra Colby? asked Jones. Bill could get into Five Lakes. We couldn't. I lost Milt Seaver, one of my agents, trying to get in there. All Milt did was drop off a job application, and he ended up dead in a ditch south of the city. Bill would have taken Sandra with him, but she may not have wanted to go. We just don't know, we never got his information. The shootout with you and Stefani gave her the nudge. Do you think she ran, or do you think she was kidnapped? Before I saw the jeep, I'd say, yes, she fled, but not now. That has to be the same jeep that was after us. Agreed. If she had just come inside the ER, your testimony will still link the missing pieces and sink all of them. What do you mean, all of them? The union. Gotovsky's associates. That isn't what you meant. There's more people involved here. Probably the big shots. We've all got targets on our back. Look, as soon as the doctors give me the word... We'll move you and Stefani to a safe place. Amen to that. Rest in peace, Bill Jones. Chapter Ten, Collingwood Memorial Hospital, Cleveland, Ohio. Jones accompanied Donovan into the fourth floor room. Coco, in a Johnny, sat up in bed. His right leg was propped up with a half pillow. Coco, you're awake. You mean alive, Jonesy? You saved my life, man. Another half a minute and they would have sprayed the place. Glad I got you out. Where's the girl? Donovan stepped forward. Matthias saw the Jeep moving on 77 and Sandra Colby is gone. Coco's face tightened and he shook his head. How the hell did that Jeep follow us? He's sure it's the same Jeep, Jonesy. That weird green homemade camouflage. Coco nodded. I need to get the hell out of here. Doctor says 72 hours. We ain't safe here. Jones rounded the bed. You want anything, Coco? Yeah, like a stiff drink and a cigarette. Nice try. We'll need statements from you when you feel better, said Donovan. FBI statements? I need my attorney, said Coco. Frankie Ski ain't gonna sit around waiting for Jonesy and me to take him down. You really want to get your attorney, asked Donovan, taking out a yellow pad. He started writing when Coco spoke. No, I only know what Jonesy told me. He talked to the girl at the plant and in the house. Donovan kept writing as Jones continued. Well, she told me at the plant that I should leave. I asked what happened to the three Five Lakes workers. What did she say? asked Donovan. She wanted to know who Coco was. I said that he was with me. She said she couldn't talk at the plant. She gave me the West Hathaway address. She said she'd be home after six. So you both went to the address. Get the story straight. I went across the park because we didn't trust Gautowski, said Coco. I was covering Jonesy in the townhouse. So, Matthias, you went inside, said Donovan. Yeah, she told me she feared the worst when Dad didn't come back two months ago. What happened is she took the trail along the lake to work. She saw the same thugs she saw at the union meetings, Gautowski's thugs, and she witnessed them beating the boys with crowbars that morning. They threw the bodies in the water and waded down the rocks. That's what we found, said Donovan, stopping the pen. She said she told that all to Dad. Dad said that a guy named Norman Fuller gave Sander's name to him and that she did the case delivery for the company store. Norman saw the murders and he saw Sander watching. Right, Norman tipped us off before they ran him down, said Donovan. That's when we asked Bill to wrap it up real quick. Coco produced a nervous chuckle. (laughs) Frankie Ski was one step ahead of everybody. Yes, he was, said Donovan. Okay, I'm phoning this into my secretary, said Donovan. Thank you. He opened the door and walked past Bender and two local cops. Jonesy, you need to get me the hell out of here right now. Where are we going to go? Who cares, he asked, moving. Coco, you just get out of surgery. Just stitches, come on. Hey, look, the next stop is The Undertaker if we don't move now. I can feel it. Get the wheelchair, Jonesy. I'll check with the doctor. The hell with the doctor! Jones backed toward the corridor door. When he opened the door, Bender was gone. So were the two cops. No one's guarding this room. Get the damn chair! My stuff's in the bag in the closet! Jones doubled back to the bed and swung the chair over to the bed. Coco winced as Jones slid him onto the chair. He got the bag and Coco's clothes from the closet. Then he stepped backward and opened the door. He pulled Coco and the wheelchair into the corridor. Only a scant contingent of nurses moved between the rooms. He did not see Donovan. At the elevator, he pushed the button. Get us in the basement. I ain't got my gun. Jones pushed the wheelchair inside the elevator. Gortoski works real fast. He and whoever else he's working with are about to get slammed if we testify. Jones pushed the basement button. The elevator moved downward. Tell you one thing, Jonesy. This thing is bigger than Frank Gautoski. What is it he's doing that he has to kill people? Drugs, money, laundering, payoffs, who the hell knows? Basement doors open. Jones pushed the chair across the parking garage near the entrance. Coco stood. He held Coco under the armpit as he put on his long leather coat. Are you sure you're all right? Oh yeah, I'm doing just wonderful. A row of trees separated the emergency room turnaround and the underground garage ramp. Camry remained to the side, but parked near an ambulance was a white SUV. That SUV wasn't here when we came in. Forget about the car. Just walk over to the Toyota, head to the driver's side, get in the car, and get the hell out of here. Jones helped him across the asphalt. When he got to the passenger side, he stepped around the hood. Coco opened the front door as Jones leaped in and started the car. Jones watched him lift his bad leg inside the car. Coco shut the door as Jones pulled away and started back toward the road. He heard shots and a bullet hit somewhere near the trunk. Jones swerved as he gained speed. What the hell's going on here? They were waiting to kill us. (laughs) Still wish you were back on the fourth floor, Jonesy? How did you know? I've been around this crap all my life. Just another city, that's all. Where are we going? Damned if I know, but if they've seen this car, he lit a cigarette. Let's head south and abandon this crate. You got the keys, Jonesy. We go back to the girls' townhouse. Coco held Sanders' phone. Listen, we need help out here. Let me talk to him, said Coco with his leg resting on her couch. Hello, sir. Yes. Gortoski's losers just shot my leg. No, I had it stitched. 1312 Hathaway Street. Having a car would be very advantageous, and weapons would be ideal. No, my associate here can give you the skinny. His name is Matt. Jones rolled his eyes. Who is that? Coco covered the phone. Never mind who it is, Jonesy. Just answer his questions. Jones took the phone. Hello? A baritone voice resonated in the phone. Matt, thanks for helping
1: us out. Did Gotoski's men kill the workers with a tire iron?
0: Yes, but the cops are all in Gotoski's hip pocket. Yeah, that's what happened.
1: We have a connection in the DA's office who can prosecute Frankie's You Provided very good information, Matt.
0: He said something to someone in the background.
1: I don't know about the girl.
0: Where's the girl? Where is she? Somebody kidnapped her in a green jeep. Camouflage. I would assume that she's dead.
1: I would too. Thank you for your cooperation, Matt. Put Mrs. Stefani back on the
0: phone. Yes, sir. Jones opened his eyes wide and handed the phone to Coco. He looked out the window but noticed a bullet hole in the front window. Coco said something and hung up the phone. Yeah, okay. dear good, Jonesy. They want Gautoski in jail. Who was that? Asked Jones, stepping toward him. Don't worry about it. We're getting a vehicle and some protection. How's your leg? It's okay. Listen, you should work for me. Coco, come on. You walked right into that park under fire, Jonesy. Do you know how many losers would have just let me die in the park? I did what I needed to do. Well, I appreciate it. Jones pulled out two bottled waters from the refrigerator and handed one to Coco. Thanks. At least we have a car. We need to go to the cops. If I thought that was a good idea, I would have called him, Jonesy. You said it yourself. Gortoski has his lackeys in the department. We can't trust them. Then what do we do? We wait until Boston tells me it's a go for the contact in the DA's office. Then we'll be safe. I'll feel even safer when I'm armed. And you will be, too. Well, I don't have a license to carry a gun. You want to stay alive, you'll take the gun. Late in the afternoon, Jones heard someone out back. He shuffled over to the rear door and listened. Now what do you hear, Jonesy? Nothing now. Jones had just turned to Coco on the couch when a thud against the front door was followed by the door crashing into the wall. Lester Larson, wearing his blue-edged goggle glasses, held a large handgun as he leaped into the room.
1: Everybody freeze!
0: What do you think you're doing, moron? yelled Coco from the couch.
1: You're all under arrest.
0: Laws of the land are predominant. Hey, Larson! Jawohl! How did you find us? You're conspiring to remove my father from his tenured position. I'm not trying to remove anybody. My father is a legend. His record is unmatched. Yeah, it sucks, said Coco. Cops are looking for you, idiot. You escaped from jail. I have Sandra Colby. I was outside the hospital and she needed a ride. You stupid fool. They need her testimony to nail Frank Gautowski. Gotowski is linked to Washington, said Lester. Now, how do you know that, little man? See, you just thought I was an idiot. I still think you're an idiot, said Coco as he struggled to his feet. Jones stepped over to help. I'm all right, Jonesy. I have my connections. Don't listen to him, Jonesy. This guy is a premier liar. I'm going to put you away for good, Stefani. You ruined my romance and my pending marriage with Rita Svelte. She was a hooker, dummy. She's in love with me. Drop the gun, Doofus, said Coco, limping toward him. Let's go down to the Jeep there, partners. Jeep, cried Jones. Coco grit his teeth. You're the one who tried to ram us on the highway. Jones faced Lester. You were forcing us off the road. Sure he was, Jonesy. He don't want you to come back to Hamilton, so his loser old man can continue to lose.
1: Watch it,
0: said Lester. Where's the girl? asked Coco. "'Safe and sound, no one around.' "'What the hell does that mean?' "'Just release it of the FBI,' said Coco. "'No can do, buckaroo. Let's go. Back of the car.' "'I've got people I'm supposed to meet.' Jones helped Coco out the door. He spotted the green, extended jeep down the street. Lester had replaced the headlights and tires, but there were bullet holes in the hood. "'If I ever get out of this, Larson, you'll never set foot on the East Coast again.' "'Dream on.' Coco clenched his fist. Jones noticed as they approached the jeep. Two shades of army green paint had been sprayed over the exterior of the jeep. He looked at the short of Lester and shook his head. <laughs> nice paint job, Lassen. You drive, Coach Wannabe. He pulled out a key from the sunglasses compartment. Use this one. What difference does it make? asked Jones. Help me in here, Jonesy. He shouldn't even be off the couch. Not my problem. You're messing up this whole operation. You're dealing with people who are going to send you to the bottom of that lake out there. Lester rolled his eyes and laughed. You're bluffing. Coco lifted his right leg and sighed. I'm all set, Jonesy. Jones got behind the wheel and Lester got in the passenger side. Jones inserted the key and started the jeep. Where to, Lester? Just pull ahead. Jones shifted and moved along the park. Take a right. What? Take a right, I said. Jones turned quickly down the side street between the townhouses. What now? Take another right. What, back of Sanders' place? What are you doing, you dunderhead? asked Jones. Lester waved the gun. Now pull over to that fire hydrant. Coco leaned back in the seat. What's the matter, Lassen? You have to go wee-wee with the other mutts? Stop. The building to the left. You made me get in this jeep just to drive around the back of the building? Pull out. Back to the interstate. Jones pinched the bridge of his nose. Oh, mercy. Deserted buildings stood next to empty lots and structures with collapsed walls. Why are we here, Lester? This place is a disaster area. I don't know nothing. Did you leave Sandra in this, this, say it, Jonesy, hellhole? No, smart guy. She had me drop her off at another place. Her friend from the Union, where I dropped her off, she made a call. About what? Told you, I don't know nothing. We've been waiting here four hours, Lester. Keep waiting, Coco looked at Jones. Hey, Larson, we want some food. No food. Headlights turned the corner several blocks away. A cream-colored Cadillac Escalade moved swiftly down the murky street. Oh, I wish I had my gun, or at least be able to wait for your friends. Hey, Larson, this could be a setup. The car came to a stop next to the Jeep. A crew-cut man with broad shoulders stepped out of the rear. He was followed by Sandra Colby. The big man got in the front seat and Sandra in the back. I'm Dave Kimball. He had a firm handshake. Matthias Jones. Calco. I'm in great danger coming here. If knew Newton put me six feet under. Oh, well, we'll be quick, said Jones. Then he looked back. Sandra, why did you run? Same reason I contacted Kimball. I'm, I'm targeted. They'll kill me. Lester said he was following you and he picked me up. "'Right. Who are you, Kimball?' asked Coco. "'I'm in a different union, but I'm aware of Gautoski. "'My contacts have told me he's funneled three-quarters of a million "'out of the pension fund to a member of Congress.' "'Who?' asked Jones. "'I'm withholding that right now. "'I'll only testify under oath in a court of law or to a court officer, "'or if I'm backed against a wall. "'I don't think you people know what you've gotten into here.' There's an attorney in the DA's office who can clean this whole thing up. He'll protect you too, Sandra, said Jones. Look, we can get you two to that attorney. Maybe, said Kimball. Meet us inside the Erie Arboretum. It's on South Street. Sunday, 12 noon. I have to make some phone calls. I don't even know who you are. I just have to go over this whole thing in a safe place. Okay, I'll call my people and set up a meeting with the contact." Good. He opened the door and stared at Jones and Coco. They both retreated across the darkened road to the escalade. Jones turned to Coco. I think he'll cooperate. Wait till it happens, Jonesy. He, he leaned forward. Hey, doofus. What? asked Lester. The escalade started down the street and the red lights disappeared into the night. Get us back to her townhouse. Nope. Why not? I have a legal document that Jones has to sign stating he will not become coach at Hamilton College. I'm not signing your chicken scratch, Lester.
1: I don't own no chickens.
0: Just sign it, Jonesy. I got people in New York who can take care of it. Lester held out a gold pen. Jones took the pen and scrawled his name. Happy now, Lester? Yeah, I'm happy. Lester began beeping the Jeep's horn. Then he drove away so fast that Jones was pushed into the seat. Coco grabbed his leg and the document slipped to the floor. Hey, slow down, yelled Coco. I just banged my leg. Lester howled like a wolf. The crazy Lester Larson escapes and Jones is wondering whether he should take up Coco's offer about visiting New Hampshire. But he senses something about his dad's death just doesn't make sense. Then Iggy is found dead. He calls Coco back, and they follow up on the lead. Coco, about to leave town, stays with his new friend Jones to provide protection. They find out that Bill Jones was buying select beer for Iggy from a brewery in Cleveland. Coco and Jones follow that lead and head toward Cleveland in the middle of the night. The contact Jones meets at the brewery leads to knowledge about three men in the union being killed and about the boss, the local guy, Gautowski, Frankie Ski. The witness who was run over had called the FBI, and then he was killed. Shots sound outside, and Jones leaves as thugs close in. Coco is out at the corner. Jones asks Sandra his contact to use her car, and she drives him up to the corner. Coco has been hit in the leg by the shooting. Jones uses a fireman's carry to bring Coco to the car, and then Sandra drives them to the hospital. Donovan from the FBI still maintains he doesn't know who killed Bill Jones. But Jones has figured out something. His side road theory says that Bill was trying to penetrate Five Lakes Brewery and the Union. In the hospital, Sandra Colby dis Sander Colby disappears from the hospital. Now Jones and Coco both know this entire escapade And what Bill Jones was investigating is bigger than Frank Gautowski. I'm Robert P. Fitton. Join me next week as Jones and Coco investigate further and put their lives at risk to find out who killed Bill Jones. Have a good evening. All of my books are available in paperback, Kindle, and audio at www.fittonbooks.com. And here's a real nifty factoid. You can listen to all my audiobooks without interruption on audible.com. Just type in Robert P. Fitton. Thank you and good night.